All right, well, good afternoon and welcome to everyone who is watching and following along with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Interview Series. I am Will Driscoll, the Executive Director of the Hall of Fame, and as always, I'm happy to bring you a new and exciting episode of Hall Call. Before we get started, though, I'd like to thank our Hall Call and Hall of Fame partners, Priority Automotive, the Beck Foundation, the City of Virginia Beach, Davcon Inc., Optima Health, White Claw Hard Seltzer, ESPN Radio 94.1, Hamilton's Realty, and Davis Business Appraisers. Uh, we are able to bring you programs like Hall Call because of them, so thank you all for your support. Well, as we sit here today, we are just 53 days away from the 2023 induction. If you haven't heard, it's the 50th in our history. Uh, so definitely an exciting time here at the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. And today we continue the induction discussion with one of our incoming inductees, Francina McCrory, a native of Hampton, Virginia. McCrory has won at every level of her track and field career. Her accolades include 15 individual state championships for Bethel High School track and field in Hampton and being named the high school athlete of the decade by the Daily Press. She continued her success for her hometown Hampton University Pirates, winning three NCAA championships in the 400-meter dash and garnering four All-American honors, and I'm not done yet. And on the international level, she has won a total of nine medals in major competitions, seven gold, including back-to-back -back Olympic gold medals in the 4x400-meter relay in the 2012 and 2016 Summer Olympics. After all of that, it's pretty easy to see why she is a soon-to-be Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee. So with all of that, Francina, thank you for taking some time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're excited, and uh, you know we're excited for you, the rest of the class of 2023. And uh, like I said, it's just 53 days away. So obviously, this is, uh, for those who are following along, this is on our Facebook Live. So if you have any questions, please feel free to throw them up on the stream, and we'll try to get them over to Francina. But let's go back to the beginning here. How did you get your start in track and field? Because I feel like anybody I talk to who, who is in track and field and participates, it's always a secondary sport. So how did you get your start in track and field? Um, so, which is interesting. So I honestly started running track um, in order to stay out of trouble. Um, so I guess that's my secondary for me. But um, so um, track is a long history in my family. My godmom, she ran track. My goddad ran track. So it was kind of the inevitable but um, yeah, I got into it in about the, the sixth, seventh grade. And I was like, mm, I'm liking this a little bit. And then I realized I was good at it. So I went on to do it in high school and college. So it was a struggle to get into it at first because it was new. But once I got my groove, it was it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, you know, you as I mentioned in the intro, you were the high school athlete of the decade, uh, judged by the Daily Press, which was the which was the main paper on the peninsula covering peninsula sports. And when you talk about some of the high schools on the peninsula in the Hampton and Williamsburg region, there are a lot of athletes that come out of out of that region. And there's there's quite a good representation in our Hall of Fame over the past 50 years as well. When you hear the term high school athlete of the decade voted by the Daily Press, what does that mean to you? Um, it's, it's just phenomenal. It just shows me like, you know, all of my hard work basically paid off, you know, like just staying disciplined, staying dedicated, you know, through all the ups and downs, you know, just keeping my head down and digging in, you know, so it's an honor. I, my mom has the, the paper framed like at her house, like, like we're never going to get rid of it. So, um, you know, it just reminds <laughs> me of all of my accomplishments. And like you said, you know, to, um, be a standout, 
you know, amongst all the athletes, all the great athletes, you know, on the peninsula, it's really a big deal. So. It's a huge deal. And, and your mom should never get rid of that paper. That, that paper has got to be framed forever. That, that is a, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, but, you know, as a, as a top level track athlete, and like you said, this, this ended up being your primary sport. And, and that's for a lot of track and field stars, you eventually find out that you're pretty good at this. So we're going to stick with it. Uh, but you were recruited by some big name programs. I mean, there, there are a lot of big programs in track and field across the country. Uh, but what ultimately led you to stay home in your hometown of Hampton with the Pirates? Um, so I'm from a big family. Um, for those that don't know, um, my mom has eight children. So a part of it, I was scared to leave home. Um, I'm, I'm a mama's girl. So I was scared to leave home. And then um, my other reason was, you know, Hampton just supported me for so long. I just felt like I wanted to stay in the area where I felt the most love and support. So I felt like I would thrive in that environment the most. So I decided to go to Hampton University. So when you got to when you got to Hampton and you got to have that moment in front of your family regularly, what was it what you had expected? Was it what you had wanted? And how did that hometown support help you throughout your time at Hampton University through your four years? Absolutely. You know, it's definitely what I wanted, you know, um, and I'm glad that I had that time at Hampton because when I um, signed my professional contract, most of my track meets were in Europe and, you know, all over the world. So I'm glad that my family got to see me run and support me, you know, for the four years that I was at Hampton. But um, yes, it was awesome. You know, I would never, I would, if I had to make the decision again, I would go to Hampton again. You know, um, like you said, I was recruited by a lot of big name schools. So a lot of people were surprised when I decided to go to Hampton but um, it was definitely the best decision for me and you know just having that hometown that small intimate support you know it was all I thought of when I was at the 2012 Olympics and 2016 Olympics you know I just felt proud to bring my gold medals home because it felt like I was bringing it home to family. Absolutely and you know we we all know that you are a proud Hampton alumnus but what was one what were one or two schools that may have taken you away from Hampton. You mentioned you got recruited by a lot. Were there a couple that were pulling you and, and you were close? Um, yes, University of Texas, for sure. I just felt like it was too far, but you know, a lot of my um, <laughs> colleagues went there and I feel like that's just such a great school, such a powerhouse. Um, and University of Miami, of course, because the weather is good. <laughs> so, so those yeah, you are, can't, those you are can't beat the weather. I mean, we're... <laughs> <laughs> We're here in Virginia Beach, and so we we love a beach. We know what the pull of the beach is like. Yes. Uh, that's good. That's very interesting insight. We we love hearing things like that. But you know, during your time at Hampton, and we're kind of going chronologically here, but during your time at Hampton, the program was perennially uh, top of the MEAC. So so you guys were definitely top, and you all were definitely top in the conference, which obviously led you into a lot of the NCAA uh, championship level competitions. What would you attribute the overall success to uh, of just the program as a whole? Um, I would say, um, again, like the family atmosphere on our team, you know, no one was above the other. It was like we were all on equal playing field, just trying to reach the bigger goal. So I would definitely, you know, attribute that success to it. You know, I didn't feel like... Um, it, it felt like home. Like I didn't feel a lot of pressure. It felt like I was just, you know going out, you know, with my girls to 
win championships, you know, like it. So I, I definitely feel like that's important um, because that's one thing I'm worried about going to some of the major schools. You know, it was it would just be a lot going on. And I wanted the same intimate atmosphere that I had at Bethel High School. So and it was just that at Hampton. <laughs> yeah, consistency, though, can can be key sometimes. And you the Hampton track and field program has had a consistent leader in coach Maurice Pierce for for many, many years. Can you give us a little bit insight into the influence and that he had on you, not only as an athlete, but the relationship that you guys still have to this day? Yes, yes. So Maurice Pierce, such a wonderful coach. I mean, he's he's really like my father. Like he's he's I consider him my dad. So um, and like you said, just having a consistent, strong leader, you know, it makes for a great team. You know, we have no choice but to be great when there's such a long proven track record of greatness, you know. So when you join a program like that, you kind of know what the expectations are and you kind of know what you have to do. So it makes everything kind of go on autopilot in a sense. When you, when you join a program like that, and, and you mentioned that coach Pierce has these expectations, what did you have to do as an individual? And then even as a, as a, a one part of a, an entire team to make sure that you all lived up to those expectations. Um, basically, you know, you, you, you have to win. Like it's, it's no, no excuses, <laughs> you know, you know, no, you can't have a bad day. I mean, and obviously you can, you know, we're human, but you know, you just make sure you put the preparation in, you know, you make sure, you know, we're not just coming out here to play around, you know, like we have a proven track record of winning and we want to keep that up. You know, no one never wants that to fall on them. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you stick to your goals and you make sure um, you're out there on a mission, you know, and sometimes, you know, I can give an example of my senior year, you know, you have to be an influence to the others that's coming behind you as well. You know, like, Okay, because it's a legacy thing, like you're teaching, like, okay, we have a track record of winning. So, you know, you have to be a model leader and, you know, lead by example. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't want to be the year that's in the media guide that uh, doesn't have the championship next to next to the next yes. to your name and your <laughs> team name, right? <laughs> yes, yes. That would no, <laughs> that's not a good look because it's there forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right well regardless of the school size and, and you know we talked about some of the big schools that recruited you and and that that were of interest but you ended up at Hampton but regardless kind of talk about the pride that you felt doing that for Hampton University your hometown Hampton University Pirates um, oh, my goodness. I, I can't even put it into words. You know, um, one of my most memorable moments was when I came back from 2012 in London and I got on I-64 and I saw my name on the billboard, like, congratulations, Francina McCory. Like, I broke down crying immediately, you know, like, um, because it's nothing like having that hometown support, you know, like, I feel like the whole city was watching and it's just so encouraging, like, you know, I felt like I was no I wasn't only running for me in the United States and for my family, but I was running for my city too. So, you know, it's just you can't even describe the feeling. It was awesome. 
to to this day, you still hold. Uh, if I have these these numbers correct, you still hold two MIAC conference records, indoor and outdoor 400 meter dash, and four school records at Hampton: indoor and outdoor 400 meter, the indoor 500, and the outdoor 200. In the age of bigger, stronger, faster, do you ever think, wow, those records are still mine all these years later? Not not too many years later, but still some years later. Yes, and I hope nobody ever breaks them. <laughs> But like you said, you know, that's just the nature of the sport. You know, you want, you know, other talent to come up and, you know, supersede you, I guess. But um, yes, it's definitely an honor. It's definitely an honor. Um, and it's 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 definitely humbling, you know, just knowing, like you said, you know, um, they have a lot of resources now, more than what I had when I was in college and from 2006 to 2010. So it just reminds me of what my talent level was, honestly. Like, wow, you know, like for a record to stand for all of those years, it's like, I must be pretty good. <laughs> Absolutely, I think so. I think pretty good. We'll put that in the bio. You must be pretty good, right? <laughs> again, again, kind of going in chronological order, you know, so you, you have great success at Bethel High School. You have amazing success at Hampton. And now it's time to, to take it to the national and international stage. At what point during your career did you realize that the, the ability was there to compete on that stage? And, and what was your first, I guess, foray or your first tryout for the national team? Um, so I actually, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually tried out um, for the 2008 Olympics. Um, I, I want to say that was, was that my sophomore year in college? Um, but it, it just overwhelmed me like way too much. Like I was like, oh my God, this is a lot. I don't know if I want to do this. Let me go back to college and then figure it out. But I think the moment that made me realize like, okay, I can actually do this is when I broke the um, 400 meter uh, NCAA record. Um, it was 19 years old. And that race kind of solidified like, okay, you know, I did this throughout middle school, high school, college. I'm good enough to go professional. So that was kind of like an epitome race. Well, an epiphany race for me. Like, okay, you know, if I can run this time and break a 19-year-old record, I might be able to stump with the big dogs. <laughs> <laughs> who who were the who were the USA track and field athletes? Either people you competed against or people that were just before you that that kind of drove you to to achieve those levels. Because we we all know as as athletes at, at any level, you look at your peers as some as people that kind of drive you to be better so who was driving you to be better um hands down Jessica Beard she was at Texas A&M and we will go head to head every NCAA championships I already knew like oh my god I have to race her so so no she definitely kept me on my toes for sure and as far as the athletes that were already pro before I decided to go pro of course, Allison Felix, um, Sonia Richards-Ross, they are wonderful role models. I mean, awesome, you know. Um, so yeah, just the, just to name a couple, you know, I have so many people that came before me that were just so inspirational, but those are the ones that stick out for right now. Well, talking about two of those role models, you mentioned uh, Richards-Ross and, and Allison Felix, Sonia Richards-Ross and Allison Phoenix, Felix, and they're two of the best to ever compete. Yet you're on that you're on that relay team with them. I know, uh, isn't it shocking? <laughs> <laughs> not, not at all. But but talk about talk about that experience being on the relay team with names like that and injecting yourself into that conversation, and then now being immortalized with that gold medal. 
Um, it was just awesome. Um, my first Olympic medal, I think I was like 20 or 21 years old. So the way they took us under their wing, you know, because obviously they have been there. I want to say that was about like their second, maybe even third for some of them, because I think they both went to the 2004 Olympics. So the way they took us under their wing and, you know, it was like such a family atmosphere, you know, like they could clearly see that we're young, we're nervous, but, you know, they built us up and made us feel like, you know, hey, you you deserve to be here and we're going to win this medal. And for me, that's priceless, you know, so it was awesome. Taking a quote from you just a little while ago, you were scared to leave home. That, that's kind of what drew you to to Hampton. So when you're standing on an international stage in front of the world, for this, what, what's going through your mind as you as you're heading into that final race? Um, I'm still scared to leave home. I still, <laughs> so I can't. I still can't believe. Like so, on the line, it's just like before that gun goes off, you're just like, this is it. You know, this is it. This is what I worked up to for the last four years. This is what I put my blood, sweat, tears, sacrifices for. So. The only thing that goes through my mind at that time is it's go time. Like, let's do it. We already put in all the hard work. We already put in all the sacrifices. You know, we know we deserve to be here. We made the times to be here. So let's just go out and have some fun. And that's exactly what we did for sure. So you, you competed in 2012 and 2016 Olympics. What was the biggest difference or the biggest preparation? Or is there something that you learned in between the two experiences that helped you better prepare uh, for, for, the, for the second one? Um, the biggest difference was, if I'm honest, the organization of the actual Olympics. So Rio was kind of, it was, it was, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but London was way more organized. Um, when we got there, Rio was kind of crazy. Like all of the stories were true. So I would say that's the biggest difference that stuck out. Um, as far as me personally, the training and everything is pretty much the same. But um, it was definitely a shocker um, pulling up to Rio de Janeiro versus um, London. <laughs> so <laughs> not we'll good talk, Go ahead. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. No. Let's do that. I don't want to get in trouble. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, you 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 go from Hampton is not a, a small town, but it's it's a small city, and you know the peninsula, and then we have the south side, and so it becomes a fairly big region. But when you're when you're thinking about back to Hampton, and and you're now in the same conversation as the Dwight Stevensons from Hampton University, the Allen Iversons from from your high school, you know you 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 talk about these are these are big time athletes that have made it out, that have made it from Hampton. The, the city of Hampton. What what does that mean to you when you when you hear your name associated with athletes like that? Um, it's just incredible. Sometimes I have to pinch myself because I'm like, oh my god, like is this really serious? <laughs> but um, I for me, I hope that it teaches other you know athletes, other young girls and boys from our area that you know if we can do it, they can do it too. You know, I just hope that it can just be an inspiration. Because like you said, Hampton is not a big city, but it's not a small city either. But you know, I hope that you know by everything that I've accomplished and you know um, people before me as well. I just hope that, you know, people from the area can see that, you know, you don't have to be from this big, big town to, to do something great. Absolutely. I, um, 
I, I was uh, reading in one of your Hall of Fame bios, because like I mentioned in the intro, there, there's quite a few Halls of Fame that, that you've been inducted into. And uh, your goal in one of them was to become a mortician once your track career is done. Is that still the case? Are we still on track for that? Yes, I'm actually working on that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yes, yes. What, yes. What, what drew you to that field? Um, Believe it or not, like I love people, but I always wanted to work a job where people don't talk back to me, you know, it's just me, and, you know, at work is quiet. <laughs> Obviously that's different from the job that I just left. So that was always my dream. Like, okay, after I retire, you know, I want to work in a quiet workspace and can't get any quieter than working in a funeral home. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, quite a difference from say somebody getting into the childcare industry or into teaching, <laughs> just noise everywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so I've got a few more questions for you, and, and then we'll go ahead and get you out of here. But, you know, you, you've, you've talked about your experience at the Olympics. You've talked about your experience at the NCAAs. Is there another event? Because people sometimes forget that there are a lot of other events that happen in between the four-year Olympic cycles. Is there another event or events that stick out, an accomplishment that, that really sticks out in your mind as, you know what, th this did justify all the work that I put in? Absolutely. So every two years, Olympics is every four years and every two years we have world championships um, and track and field. It's really it's just like the Olympics. It's just not um, heavily publicized, but we race the same people. It's the same qualification process. So, um, yeah, in 2014 um, and 15, um, you know, I did really well at those championships. And in 2014, I ran my PR um, in the 400, which is 49, 48. So, um, like you said, that was a pivotal moment for me, like, oh, my God, I almost ran 48 seconds. So and that's hard in the 400. I think the world record is 47.6. So no one's come close since 1988. And that's the year I was born. So <laughs> so that that has to be one of my pivotal moments for sure out in Sacramento. Um, it just makes everything worthwhile for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, you you talked about the resources that are available to the athletes now and obviously things athletics just as a whole has has gotten to a point where there's so much analytics there's data there's there's weight training there's strength training what's the biggest difference now that you see between how athletes are preparing to back when you were competing about a decade ago Oh, geez. I mean, it's like night and day. Like, for example, when I was in college, I used to eat like Chanelo's pizza every night. Like <laughs> Chanelo's, <laughs> shout out to Chanelo. Yes. But now, you know, these athletes, they're meal prepping, you know, they're taking supplements. And, and I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. But um, I would say, like you said, it's a lot more technology, you know, um, it's a lot, you know, they have cryo, um, not cryo, but um, they have massage, massage and things like that. Like, those are things that, like, we were just kind of like, oh, okay, we're going to wing it, you know? So it is a huge, huge difference, but I'm happy, you know, because they can only move the sport forward. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you see for your future in the sport? Are you still around the sport? Are you still working with, with athletes? Is there anything that you're doing to help kind of push that, that sport forward? I am. So I actually own my own time and business um, in track and field. So I time track meets. So we do uh, FAT timing. So I'm there, um, you know, just encouraging the athletes. You know, you might see an athlete that's nervous before a race. And, you know, that reminds me of me so much because I was always nervous before every race. So, you know, I'm just there, you know, just and it's and it's good to 
have a front seat, you know, um, off the track to actually see, you know, what goes into putting on a track meet and what goes on to, you know, making sure the athletes, you know, um, have a time, have a qualifying time and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's different, but, but it's a lot of fun. When you see an athlete on the starting line or getting near the starting line, that is nervous. What, what do you say to them? Um, just relax and have fun. You know, um, they have plenty of time to be nervous, especially if they go to the Olympics. So, so, so they don't have to be nervous now, you know, um, sometimes if you're too nervous, it takes the fun out of it. You know, you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself. So I definitely tell them, you know, just block, block out the noise, block out the, you know, just have fun, just have a great time because, you know, when you start running track for a job, it can be fun, but it's more so work. So, so what was the biggest difference then between running it for in, in college, in high school, and then running it as a job? Um, it was a tad bit more pressure there because obviously if you're running under scholarship, you don't want to lose your scholarship <laughs> versus running in high school. You know, um, the atmosphere was a little bit more laid back, still serious because you can't lose the state championship. But just in college, you have a few more things to worry about. But all in all, if you're with the right team and with the right coach, it's it's still a lot of fun either way. I, I think that you, in just this half hour conversation, I think you've showed us that you had a lot of fun along the way from state champion to national champion, world champion, Olympic champion. Uh, and, and we're just really excited to have you a part of our class of 2023, which uh, again, in case you didn't know, 53 days away. Uh, I know you know, but <laughs> but we're we're looking forward to it, and we really uh, thank you for taking some time today. It's been a pleasure catching up with you, learning more about your story uh, and your connection to Hampton, and taking that connection all across the globe. So, Francina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Will. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to thank everyone who was following along and will follow along. Remember, this will be in video format, and then we'll also put it into a podcast format as well. Um, thank you to all of our sponsors, as you see over my shoulder. Uh, we, we love everything that you help us do. Uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. The 2023 induction is just 53 days away. The next hall call will be next Thursday, March 9th, with Joe Montgomery, this year's Distinguished Virginian Award recipient. And you can follow us on social media to learn about all the other hall calls we have coming up in the next few months. And I always leave you with this, but whatever you do, participate, don't spectate, and we will see you next time.